On this week's episode, Aladdin flies high at the box office. We bring new info for Star Wars fans. And what can Xbox do to excite gamers at E3 2019? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great programs. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He is our T1000 from Humanica Media. You got to check out Humanica Media today on humanicamedia.com, Humanica Media on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and so much more. It is my good friend. Ready to go ahead and terminate you. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? You know, your voice got distorted right there, and it sounded like you said you, you want to terminate me, and I'm just thinking about thermoses. I don't know why. Terminated. You're terminated. <laughs> well, it was an interesting weekend so far. A lot of great things going on. I do want to mention here in Vegas, because I'm here in Vegas, obviously the big news emanating from Vegas was the startup of All Elite Wrestling, the next great big thing coming to the world of professional wrestling. They had their inaugural pay-per-view because you can't count what they did last year. So this was their inaugural pay-per-view as a company. It was double or nothing at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. Great show. A lot of great performances that were there. A lot of great wrestling action. A lot of people were interested. Social media was very high. A lot of interest into it. Whether or not that's going to translate into future success as a company, we'll have to wait and see. They do have a nice future going forward with a lot of big events coming up here in 2019 and beyond. And of course, a nice cable contract with TNT. So I'm hopefully going to get on some guests here in the near future that will go ahead and analyze with me the future success of the company. Can it get to a point where it's anywhere near considered viable competition to the WWE. Well, like I said, we'll hopefully get a chance to talk to people out there and hear their thoughts. Plus also I'll be able to elaborate and share some of my own on the future. But I want to tell you, Josh, that took place on Saturday, but it was interesting. Sunday night, I'm driving near the Las Vegas Strip and I still see people wearing the same shirts that they probably were wearing at the event on Saturday. And I got to tell you, man, that probably wasn't smelling so good. Yeah, that's fandom, man. You go to Comic-Cons too, right? You see these people been in those stinky costumes for, what, two or three days? It's just, that's how fandom works, man. You can't take a shower when you're wrapped up in the moment like that. Day three at E3. That's awful, man. Okay, let me tell you about my first Comic-Con experience. I went with a buddy who is like three times my size. And he was just, you know, we just use him as like to go through the audiences. But he always go, man, take a shower. Like that was his, he said that probably about a hundred times that day. Well, I was there, I guess, at a certain point of time when they started, you know, right around when they started Axe. And so Axe, one of the ways they wanted to introduce themselves into the marketplace was go to places like E3 and hand out body sprays and also antiperspirants and deodorants because they needed it. I mean, people going to any convention, word of advice, don't forget your hygiene. Second, third day of a convention, especially pop culture conventions, as Josh and I can tell you, the funk, the smell, it's not so good. And it just 
perpetuates those thoughts and those negative vibes and those negative tropes that quite often are ridiculing people who have great fandom who should be appreciated and lauded for their love for various aspects of pop culture and those type of little things seem to bring those things about but if you love your fandom for whatever it is in pop culture that's awesome just make sure you follow the rules of hygiene that's all we ask but it's going to be a great show we've got for you today We're going to be talking a lot of great things when it comes to Aladdin at the box office and the box office for the Memorial Day weekend, Star Wars Episode Nine info from Vandy Fair, and plus more when it comes to the Star Wars universe that could be coming down the road. We're going to be talking about what we think Xbox needs to do to help set themselves apart coming up at E3 2019. We're going to talk a little bit about Terminator Dark Fate because the debut teaser came out last week, so... We're going to dive into that. We're also going to be talking to Daphne Matthew from Talking the Dead 18 Plus and the Walking Dead fan base on Facebook. She's going to be giving us the latest info and intel on what's going on in the universe of The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead as well. Want to mention that since it is Memorial Day weekend, hopefully everyone has had a safe and happy Memorial Day weekend. And to the veterans out there who have served our country out there, We truly appreciate everything that you've done and continued success. And also remember those who have fought for freedom all around the world. So we do appreciate that indeed. All right. With that said out of the way, my friend, honoring our veterans and remembering our hygiene, want to go ahead and break down everything that went on in the the weekend so far. So we did mention real quick, all elite wrestling, but the big news of the weekend was Aladdin flying high at the box office. Looks to be about $86 million domestically. It's going to end up over the course of the four-day weekend, a little over $100 million, which is pretty good. It is slightly above expectations for Disney, plus about $200 million worldwide. Still needs a lot more to make it break even because I know a lot of people were asking, oh, that's great. It's made right around his production budget. But again, using those Hollywood multipliers that they do, it still takes about what we were saying, about three, three and a half times before the average movie turns a profit because of various costs, theater chains, production values, also as well promotional costs, things of that nature. So it still has a way to go before you can consider it a hit. And with the disappointment of Dumbo, I think this is still a step in the right direction. Your thoughts on Aladdin this weekend I know you talked at length about it on the PCC Multiverse about families coming in, families being able to enjoy a film that's out there. I think this met a lot of requirements for families out there to go ahead and take their kids to the theaters. I think it acquitted itself quite well for something that there was not super big expectations for. Right. And you have to think about it this way, too. Like with, you know, these big franchises, you got superhero movies, Star Wars, stuff like that. Like the standard for what a successful film is has really inflated in the past, you know, five to 10 years. So I think that Aladdin's doing okay for, for what it is and probably what it costs Disney to make. And they did a, they did an okay job marketing it. And, you know, it is Memorial Day weekend, so I'm sure there's going to be people going out to see the movie tomorrow. And, you know, in my, in my point of view, it's doing well. It's something I want to see. I've heard good things about it. And, it sounds like it's just a good movie. It's fun for people are having a good time going out and watching it. And it's 
just a good thing if you want to take your your kids to go see it. And I, I you know, I don't, I don't know like what about it's going to drive people to the theaters or if it's going to be something they're going to watch on Netflix. Because again, you know, you, you look at where would you rather watch a movie at home or in theaters and that whole thing. But um, you know, I think Aladdin's doing pretty well, and I do kind of want to go see it. Maybe I'll stop by the theater and check it out next week. But again, you know, we have Godzilla King of Monsters coming out next week, so. Aladdin could maybe stand on its own against a movie like that because I don't remember how well the uh, the Garrett Hedlund Godzilla movie did back in the day, but I don't see it being really a juggernaut in terms of box office numbers, which could mean that Aladdin could fare pretty well, you know, a couple of weekends in a row at least. It actually earned about a half a billion dollars worldwide, so it okay. did pretty good, you know. Well. Yeah, it did pretty well. Right around that break-even, slight profit margin, so you know if that's the case and it does have a great interest worldwide because at that point in time it earned over 300 million dollars internationally and 200 million dollars here at the box office in the u.s side it looks like that it was justified in making a sequel and hopefully there will be some good things coming up for godzilla whether or not that's going to have legs or even aladdin's going to have legs i agree with you we'll have to wait and see because Right after that, you've got Dark Phoenix coming up on the 7th. You've got The Secret Lights of Pets 2. You don't want to underestimate that. Also, as well, Men in Black International coming up on June 14th. Shaft on June 14th as well. So June is loaded with a lot of good stuff coming. Even Child's Play and Toy Story 4 coming later in the month of June. So with all those movies in play, it is really going to be hard for a movie to stand out for any serious length of time because Aladdin right now and also as well Godzilla coming next weekend, that's going to be a tough task to fill for them to go ahead and be a consistent player weekend, week out with all the movies coming up. And that's what happened, I think, this weekend to some of the movies because there are so many great options that are out there. There's actually a little bit too much. And that's what happens sometimes where some smaller movies get trampled by these big upstart AAA productions when you have Aladdin promoted by Disney, John Wick 3, which is one of the big surprises so far, I think, of 2019, when you consider how well and above beyond expectations it's doing, because that just went over $100 million domestically at the box office. It finished number two this weekend. Still, things are looking very good for that film. And even Avengers Endgame, still in there in the top three, right there, just still chugging along about a little tiny bit over $100 million away from beating Avatar at the all-time box office. It is still right in that, I'm not sure if it's going to make it, I'm not sure it won't type of deal. So it's still in play, the number one slot all-time for the box office. So that's still something we can watch. Even Detective Pikachu is still earning some real good money out there. But with movies like we had talked about on the Friday show, Brightburn and Booksmart, they were only able to meet their expectations, but they couldn't really generate much over that because of the fact that there's so many different choices out there right now for audiences and for movies like that. It's okay because their budgets on them are not large enough to really go ahead and, and take major hits for the studios. But I hope everybody at least gets a chance to see Booksmart because the word on that one is still very high and that is going to be on a lot of top 10 lists. Brightburn, that might get swallowed up by some other horror movies that are coming out like Child's Play and Ma. Both are coming out in the month of June. So those probably will go ahead and take that chunk of the horror movie slice away from Brightburn. So that 
probably will be something that unfortunately will get forgotten about in a very short period of time. But hopefully Booksmart will have those type of legs in the future that people will go ahead and remember it or maybe it'll become that cult hit that you always talk about that it reaches an audience finally when it gets to video on demand, Hulu, Netflix, what have you. So I'm hoping for that for Booksmart because it seems like it's going to be a really good film that might resonate with the right audience. But right now it is Aladdin. It did perform above expectations and things are looking pretty good as far as that move for being a live action film. Will it be something that can compete with its own live action film library, which includes The Lion King? I'm not so sure because I'm still one of the people that thinks that The Lion King is going to blow every other live action Disney film outside of Beauty and the Beast because I think that is the live action movie from Disney that people actually wanted to see. Yeah, and it's also got a lot of star power behind it. You know, I would consider Aladdin a classic Disney movie, but Lion King is something that, you know, it still resonates with people today. You still see they're still doing live musicals of it. It's still got a big part in it, like Disneyland parades and stuff like that. So Lion King just has a bigger presence among fans. And, you know, it's got the you look at the cast and you look what kind of power it's got behind it. And that says a lot about it. also it's directed by John Favreau. So it's got power behind it. It's got power to reach a lot of people to do a lot of things. It's being marketed really well. And, you know, I don't doubt that it's going to do better than Aladdin or really any of the other ones. I agree with you. I think the Lion King is just going to be head and shoulders above almost every other one of the Disney live action movies that have come out and reach a level that only Beauty and the Beast has ever reached in that 1 billion and above category. So I'm looking forward to see how that one performs when it comes out. I'm looking to see the reaction so far with social media and fan wise seems to be very positive towards Aladdin. So this could open some eyes and bring out a whole new world, as you mentioned on our PCC Multiverse, when it comes to being that type of movie that stays in theaters and that people will want to see week in and week out instead of just fading at the box office. But as Josh and I will allude to in our Friday show on the PCC Multiverse, it's going to get really hot and heavy in June with a lot of movies that are out there. We're going to talk more about the movies coming up in June and which ones we think will be a hit or a miss coming up again on our Friday PCC Multiverse. But for now, it is Aladdin flying high at the box office and just looking like it's going to be another pretty good success story for Disney when it comes to their live action reimagining. What are your thoughts out there on Aladdin? Did you enjoy the movie? Have you gone and see it? Is this one of the live action remakes that you feel that you wanted to go ahead and see, take the family to and enjoy? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanic Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speed run or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com 
That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. Well, also, my friend, up on the list as far as current in-time news when it comes to pop culture, tell you right now, a lot of people were talking after the article from Vanity Fair. Usually, it's Entertainment Weekly that gets this type of sneak peek into what's coming up into the future because Entertainment Weekly has gotten previous Star Wars and also Marvel info that they get exclusive first. But at Vanity Fair got it, and there was some insight into Episode Nine. some of the new characters that are coming along the way. They talked a little bit more about Carrie Russell, who's been in a movies before with J.J. Abrams that he's directed, but she is playing a new character called Zori Bliss that's referred to as, quote-unquote, a masked scoundrel. So we'll have to see what type of character she's going to be playing and how that might emulate a lot of the things that You've seen in previous times from the Star Wars universe when it comes to maybe Han Solo, maybe some bounty hunter type action there as far as what type of fence she leans on. Will she be something more memorable or do you think that it could be a situation again where we saw in The Last Jedi where Benicio Del Toro plays a scoundrel himself that unfortunately wasn't all that memorable? Okay, wait, so just run it, run it down for me. What, what, what were they talking about? What are some of the things going on here? Okay, because Carrie Russell's part has been much speculated, but it looks yeah. like she, and they show a picture of her in the article, that she's a masked scoundrel, quote-unquote, is what she's described as. Her name is Zoe Bliss. Richard E. Grant is going to be playing the Allegiant General Pride, who's going to be a confidant and also a part of the First Order, along with General Hux and obviously Kylo Ren as well. And then we have a new character that I believe we see with Finn. Her name is Janna, played by Naomi Aki, that I think a lot of people are speculating is going to be the daughter of Lando Calrissian. So a lot of people are speculating that she might be playing that role We've seen pictures of that from the latest Vanity Fair article. What I wanted to talk to you was specifically about Carrie Russell's character, Zori Bliss, because we've seen success stories and not-so-success stories when it comes to characters that are relating to that underworld, that underbelly, that almost Mandalorian type of environment that we've seen so far in the underworld and the underbelly of the Star Wars universe We've seen the positives. Han Solo comes to mind when it comes to that type of scoundrel. But we've also seen some not-so-successful characterizations, especially when it comes to The Last Jedi, because a lot of people were really negative on Benicio Del Toro's betrayal when it comes to his character that was the scoundrel, either which way. Just what didn't come off very well when it comes to The Last Jedi. So your thoughts on what a scoundrel in today's star wars episode nine environment has to do to come across as either good or bad or morally gray or whatever has to do to become someone effective that's going to be someone memorable in the latest star wars coming up in episode nine well when you say scoundrel you know especially relating to uh like carrie russell i i immediately think about What's in, in Return of the Jedi? Remember when Princess Leia comes in, she has a mask on, she threatens to blow things up. That's what I think of. But, you know, we're, we're looking at the last movie in JJ, and not the, well, the, the new trilogy of films. So, we're looking at the last movie, what impact is her character really going to have? Like, how important is she going to be? Is she going to be a side character that's briefly introduced, or is she going to have a thread that runs along the entire movie? 
I don't know, because, you know, it's not really going to go anywhere after this unless it's going to tie into the Mandalorian in some way. So, you know, I've always been fascinated with the underbelly, not the underbelly, but like the the underworld side of Star Wars. Right. You know, because that was the last thing George Lucas was working on before he sold to Disney. And I'm, I imagine some of his old stuff is going to show up in the Mandalorian at some point. But, you know, w- what purpose does her character serve? What is she supposed to be? Is it meant to tie into something else? Because that would be the important thing. Because if she's just there for a few minutes, you know, it's just why why are we even speculating? Like, what, what are we getting attached to her for? I just wanted to be a situation where it's an effective turn for however long she's in the film. Because I felt we just really didn't get any type of interest. I, I mean, I felt nothing from Benicio Del Toro's performance in The Last Jedi. I just thought it was a waste of his great talents and unfortunately didn't get to match up to what I know he can do in in that type of platform. So it was kind of disappointing to see in a film that in many ways is disappointing to a lot of people in The Last Jedi. So I agree with you. There's, you know, we don't, we don't want to get too attached if there's someone that's not going to become a major part of Star Wars Episode Nine. So we will definitely have to look more into it in the coming weeks and months to see if she is going to be that scoundrel that a lot of people will gravitate towards or gravitate away from coming up in December when Star Wars Episode Nine hits. But there also was some other great Star Wars news that broke and that Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, a favorite game of many during the course of the early 2000s that a movie is going to be based, if not three, speculation was three. Obviously, people love to go for the trilogies, but at least one movie looks like it's going to be in production that's based off the environment from Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, a favorite game of lore from the original Xbox generation. Your thoughts on possibly going into that realm? I know a lot of people were really excited that are familiar that played the game either on a console or a mobile standpoint because it came out just a couple years ago, I think, on a mobile platform, if I remember correctly. So your thoughts on a possible Star Wars film or films based off the Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic game series and what that could do to invigorate the Star Wars franchise? Well, it's it's a different side of the Star Wars universe that people haven't seen, you know, beyond the those six minute trailers that were put out with the Old Republic, the the PC game. So, you know, for those of you who don't know, Knights of the Old Republic is is it's a Bioware game that was released in I want to say two thousand three, if I remember correctly. LucasArts and Bioware made it, and it was it's basically about a time when there were hundreds of Jedi roaming around the galaxy that you know they were the peacekeepers and they had the Sith were out there but they were kind of a dark force that didn't really have a face or anything kind of like the uh, shadow organization and it takes place during the Mandalorian Wars so you have a couple of Jedi go off they break the Jedi code and they end up fighting in the Mandalorian Wars and that leads to one of them going to the dark side yada yada but I mean this is kind of a a cool look at how the the jedi order became what it became it's very political but it's a side of the star wars universe we haven't seen and like i, I honestly i feel like if it if it were put in the hands of uh benioff or dby's like it could be something worth watching if that makes sense but it's also it's it's very dark so if disney is going to disneyfy it like they did with the last jedi and kind of litter it with with jokes throughout like i i don't think it's going to work but what are your thoughts on it 
I just think if the lore of it is something that I think a lot of people could get into. I know a lot of gamers were excited that have played the game. It was mistakenly identified by news outlets as being an Xbox 360 game originally. No, it was an original Xbox game and a PC game, like you said, originally in 2003. So that being said, it, it has a great lore, great history, and it told an awesome narrative during the course of while you were playing it. And I think a lot of people look to that the most, and that's why they're so excited, those who know of it. And how should I say this? Yes, it was a popular game at the time, but it is not something that a lot of people have gone back to. So there is a lot of people out there that are unfamiliar with the characters that are in the specific realm of the Star Wars universe. So this will seem very fresh to a lot of individuals out there while yet being familiar to some who have played the game or are familiar with it. So I, I cannot wait for it. I'm hoping it does come to fruition. After the success of Detective Pikachu, we could finally see another video game adaptation come to life that people can really get behind. And with the Star Wars name behind it, who knows? It could actually see some real type of success if it comes to theaters. Am I 100% certain it will come to theaters? No, I'm not, because it, there's a good chance that something like that would go straight to Disney Plus or Hulu. I, I don't want to say 100% that that's the case, but I'm hoping it'll come to theaters and people give it a chance once it comes out. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I, again, it depends on how it's made. It's a dark game because it's a dark period in the history of the Star Wars timeline. So if they're going to brighten it up and do, you know, make it into... We're going to have a joke every five seconds. I don't I think it's going to rub people the wrong way. So it all depends on how it's made. And if the people in charge of it are given free reign to kind of make it into the story that it's meant to be rather than the a story meant to sell T-shirts and action figures to elementary school kids. Grab one of the writers from the original game. That would be my advice. That would be cool if they did that. But uh, I wouldn't say all the writers. I just say one. So that right. you, you you have the infusion of new writers working with one of the old writers so that they could always identify what was so special about the game and the narrative in the first place. There's a lady that's allegedly writing it, right? What's her name? It's the creator of Altered Carbon, Laeda Calogridis. That's, yeah. that's why I can say it. Yeah, so I mean, you know, if she's allowed to have the creative freedoms that she needs to make this work, like it could be really good. You're not stuck to a specific family of characters and you're you you can kind of do your own thing and that's what star wars needs we need a new voice a breath of fresh air into the franchise and it needs to be allowed to be star wars and stop putting jack sparrow like antics inside star wars we don't need any more of that but therein lies the quandary man because star wars isn't always placating towards you my friend in fact they're not placating towards me all the time not placating towards you but they want to go ahead and identify the most with the younger audience because at one time we were the younger audience watching it and growing up with Star Wars. You know, with Disney, they're not always looking at the parents. They're most of the time looking at the kids and the younger audiences who will grow up and take their families to Disney so you can keep on that cycle of going more and more and more to whatever Disney has to offer. So one of the things that they continuously want in their films are lighter moments and jokes and things of that nature in there. So I don't think you're ever going to get really away from that. Even a movie like Star Wars Rogue One, which is pretty dark in and of itself, that still had characters in there 
that we're able to go ahead and provide some comic relief to, and provide some of that levity in such a dark situation. So I don't think you're ever going to get 100% fully away from that in the Star Wars universe. No, and, and Rogue One was was fine, but like even that, like they had to do a lot of reshoots because of how dark Garrett Edwards made the original cut of the film like crazy dark. So they had to go and do a lot of reshoots from what I understand. But like the old Star Wars were fine. You know, they had their jokes in there and that was that was fine. But I mean, what I don't want to see is The Last Jedi, not the whole Rian Johnson thing, but it just it had so many jokes in it i couldn't tell if i was watching pirates of the caribbean or ant-man or a star wars movie so it's fine to have jokes and like keep it lighthearted, but like tone it down you know don't do stuff just for the sake of doing it because that's what pulled me out of the movie a lot during the last jedi i get that but again it's who they want to go ahead and direct this movie to more do they want to direct the star wars future towards us or do they want to go ahead and direct it towards younger audiences and always the key is try to direct it towards younger audiences in order to go ahead and keep them coming for years to come, long after we've stopped going to see Star Wars film due to old age, death, what have you. <laughs> in my case, that's right around the corner. But we will have to wait and see what holds for the Star Wars future. But Episode Nine is coming in December with new characters. you got to follow us on Facebook at Pop Culture Cosmos to get the latest information on Star Wars Episode Nine, but also more information on a possible Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic movie. Well, coming up next, we've got Daphne Matthew from Talking to Dead 18 Plus and the Walking Dead fan base. She's going to stop by with some information in regards to the Walking Dead and her thoughts on the future of the fear of the Walking Dead as well. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. All right, and we're back once again. It is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thanks for staying with us. It's Gerald Glassford coming right at you. But it is a great time indeed for the Walking Dead fans because there is a lot to talk about, a lot of news going on. Fear the Walking Dead is coming around the corner again for another season. The Walking Dead finished off its season and is looking forward to returning back again in the fall. But for the, all the latest news and information, you know, if you want to keep up to date year round on what's going on with everything at The Walking Dead, you know, you got to go to two places that I know of. And the two best places indeed are The Walking Dead fan base and Talking the Dead 18 Plus. And you know who I've got here, right here. She is the head of both those groups. It's my good friend, Daphne Matthew. And Daphne, it's just great to have you back on. It's great to be back again. It's been a while. It's been a while. I'll be honest. What is the latest intel that you have concerning The Walking Dead? I know for a fact that Abraham, Michael Kulitz, will be directing another episode in season 10. Unfortunately, his show, The Kids Are All Right, did get canceled. So he doesn't have any more conflicts right now. Now, the interesting thing that I've heard recently about The Walking Dead pertains to Maggie. It was announced over a week ago that her show Whiskey Cavalier was canceled by ABC. 
there is an article that was released by the Undead Walking that came out today that the show may not be canceled after all. I know they were shopping on the networks for it to be picked up. And speaking of Megan, a lot of people are happy that she is returning to the show. And the assumption a lot of people have is that she's coming back full time. It was never planned for Lauren Cohan to come back to The Walking Dead full time. So we'll see what goes on with that. Now, here's the big thing from the comic side of The Walking Dead comics, for those who read the comics, this upcoming week or the following week in June, there is a huge comic coming up. And the reason why it's huge is because if you read Comic 189, Rick was mortally wounded. And the belief is that Robert Kirkman, and Robert Kirk, this is no surprise to anybody who reads the comics, because Robert Kirkman has said time and time again that no one is safe. It's been 99.99% confirmed that Rick Grimes is going to die in the comics in the one that's released within the next two weeks. And the twist to it is, is that he's already injured. It will be Call that puts him down. So there you have it, Deadheads. We're about to witness the written version of Rick Grimes' death in the comics. I know Fear the Walking Dead, it is coming up here next weekend. And I know you've hinted, uh, and as Uh-oh. far as a, a, you know, a, a major death that could possibly be on the way. And if that's the case... I know for fans of Fear the Walking Dead, including myself, who have appreciated this individual's fine work, if this happens, I'm just going to tell you right now, that's a big turnoff to me. And that will be a big turnoff to a lot of other fans as well. Okay, so what, what we're referring to, and I'll say we because we've talked about it, is that it's been rumored and pretty much confirmed that this will be Lenny James, Morgan Jones, last season on Fear the Walking Dead. And it's now actually being rumored that he will die on the show back in season eight when it was hinted that perhaps Rick may die soon, that there was an article Lenny James was interviewed in and he said clearly in the interview that Morgan will never know what happened with Rick. He basically had hinted at since last year that he would never go back to Alexandria and he will never know about Rick's fate. So now it's coming out that, well, I think everybody has heard that Troy, uh, one of the crazy sons of that guy on the farm, is actually coming back in season five. How they're going to pull that off, I have no idea. But fan favorite Daniel was coming back. And I am absolutely overjoyed because rumor was was that they were never going to bring him back, but Daniel will be back. And then another TWD character is crossing over, and that is going to be Dwight. So if they end up at the Commonwealth in Season 10, that's probably where Dwight is going to lead the group. And if you read the comics, you know what happened to Dwight a couple of episodes ago. So I'm not even going to go into that, but I think Dwight will actually be the one that takes the mantle and takes the group or causes the two shows to finally combine. We'll see it at the end of season 10, but definitely 11, because I have a strong fear that the show will be ending with season 12 and I stand by it. And I'm not saying The Walking Dead 
universe itself is going to end in two years, I'll say the flagship show will. They have already plans for a spinoff with Judith. They have a spinoff in place with them looking at the zombie apocalypse from the standpoint of another community, either another country or another part of the United States, where it will be a woman's perspective of the zombie apocalypse as opposed to all the Fear the Walking Dead and and The Walking Dead, where the main characters are always male. They're doing it from a woman's point of view. There you have it, Jerry. There I have it indeed. Once again, it is Daphne Matthew from Talking the Dead 18 Plus and also the Walking Dead fan base. You got to catch her awesome groups today on Facebook. You join up and you're going to be mixing it up with thousands and thousands of awesome The Walking Dead fans out there. Once again, it is Talking the Dead 18 Plus and also the Walking Dead fan base on Facebook. Daphne, you've been such a great resource of information on The Walking Dead. I know we've had a little bit of issues today trying to connect, but I'll tell you what, hopefully when we can get a little bit better off, you can come back again on the show to update us on what's going on with everything that you like in pop culture and also everything up on The Walking Dead as well. Well, there's two things that are coming to mind we can talk about. Dark Phoenix. You know that movie's coming out. That's the spinoff of Jean Grey's story. That's definitely coming out next week. And then we could always talk about Fear the Walking Dead. I mean, I am not a huge fan of the show because I felt that what they had built with the show from season one, they kind of like went so far off base. And I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way that they haven't actually recaptured what they presented in the beginning. But we could talk about the first episode and see, you know, what the reaction is how people feel about, you know, what's going on with fear. If you check out either one of the groups that Jerry has mentioned every Sunday, when we have Fear the Walking Dead, we have live discussions where people can come in and they can talk about the show and we have a whole lot of fun. We also do it throughout the entire season of The Walking Dead. So everybody's welcome to come into the chats and say hello and talk about the show and for you comic fans one of our members and you know her jerry karen actually does the comics every wednesday so if you're around you can come in join the group sit back relax and have some fun with us because we're always doing something crazy up in those groups and fun too i mean we're not totally insane people we we have a lot of fun we have trivia we I give away great prizes. I, I do. I, I give away some awesome stuff. I'm going to be bold and I'm going to predict this is the last season of Fear. I think you're right on that. I think it, the time has come to end Fear the Walking Dead as well. All right, Daphne, it's always great talking to you. I will be talking to you here in a couple of weeks. Looking forward to it. Sure. Once again, it is Daphne Matthew from Talking the Dead 18 Plus and the Walking Dead fan base. You got to catch her great locations today on Facebook, the awesome groups that she's a part of. And I'll tell you what, if you are a Walking Dead fan, before Fear the Walking Dead says bye-bye, and before the Walking Dead says bye-bye, join them today and be a part of all the fun. Daphne, it's been great talking to you, and I thank you so much for being part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. Always a pleasure. Have a good night. Enjoy Memorial Day. 
You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thanks for staying with us. We're doing just awesome here because E3 2019 is around the corner. And there's a lot of good things to talk about when it comes to E3 2019. And our preview continues for E3 2019 with a look at Xbox. Microsoft has got a lot hopefully coming along the way. But the thing is, they haven't really told us a whole lot except for what they showed last year. And then also little bits and pieces of what's coming up in the near future for the next Xbox. My question for you, my friend, is what does Xbox need to do to stand out amongst all the rest when it comes to E3 2019? We've seen, like I said, little brief glimpses of what's to come for the Xbox. Are we going to get more on that? Are we going to get details, pricing, a name, or anything like that? Are we we also going to get some type of more specs on it. But also, what can they do to keep folks interested in the Xbox One and its future going forward as well? Well, they need to finish out this cycle of gaming consoles strong. Because if you look at it, Sony has already announced that their big games that they have already have announced are hitting the PS4, right? You have Death Stranding, Last of Us Part Two, Ghost of Tsushima. Like These are all set to be released on the PlayStation 4. So what Xbox needs to do is... You know, throw some new. I know they have uh, a lot of the the companies that they announced that they you know absorbed into the fold last year. They announced that they are working on next gen stuff. So that's fine. That's cool. And I do want to see something about that. Maybe hear about some specs or actually see the new gen stuff in motion. But I but I'm I'm really doubting that we'll see that. I think what we're going to see instead is a bunch of games being talked about, or we're going to see some footage of games that. And they won't tell us whether or not that's going to be on this console or the next console. We'll just get you know release dates like we always do. And again, what they need is original IPs, something new, maybe pump new life into these old franchises. Give the gamers what they want, you know. And and I know that they have been kind of struggling, and they have a path laid out of what they'd like to do, but they need to just do it, you know. They need to give us a new Fable, and I'm sure we're gonna see a new Forza. Show us more from, you know, Halo Infinite. Give us things that we are familiar with, but also give us something new. Like, don't stick to, like, things that are going across all three consoles. I don't know. Like, I, for me personally, like, I do want to see a new Fable. And I, I do want to see, I still want to see remastered games hitting the Xbox One. I want to know that the Xbox One still has some life in it. Because from what I understand, the, uh, the next-gen consoles probably won't be released until 2020 or 2021. So... I want to see this generation of, of consoles finish strong with Microsoft, but I don't want them to say, we're working on all these new games, but you're not going to see them until the, the next-gen Xbox. So that's not really something that I'm interested in. So I would like to see them announce some things and then say, hey, this is coming out next year. Yeah, they need to do something because I don't want them to give up on the Xbox One and its users anytime soon. There's still to me, some life left in the Xbox One before they hand it over to whatever the next Xbox might be. I still think there's some viable turns that they can take when it comes to new products, new games, new items that they can go ahead and introduce into the Xbox marketplace. And you mentioned Halo Infinite, and obviously this has to be a Halo that gets back to form because it has slowly faded in popularity and interest over the course of the last two and even three iterations of the Halo franchise, it has kind of slid downhill little by little by little with each passing turn. So they need to go ahead and reinvigorate the Halo franchise with Halo Infinite. That has to be a key. But what other success stories do you feel that they need 
outside of Halo. I know you mentioned Fable, but are there any other franchises they need to go ahead and introduce or IPs that they have already that they need to have iterations of before they go ahead into the next Xbox? Because the reason why is they don't have a full, huge stable or lineup of pillar original IPs that they can lean on. You saw what happened to Crackdown 3, my friend. That came out to horrible reviews and a, just an awful response from gamers. And the fact the game is already just basically done and over with and dead as an entity has ruined that franchise for many, many years, possibly even for good. So there's one less on a sparse list of original IPs that they can draw from. What other original IPs do they have do you think that they can come out with or do you think they might be working on before the next Xbox comes out? I would love to see them breathe life back into Scalebound. That would be cool because that was a game that actually looked like a lot of fun. Beyond that, there's not a lot of franchises that have been dormant in the Xbox catalog that, I mean that aren't either in the process of being remade or there's a desire for it to be remade. So, you know, like we, we have the bigs, you know, we have the, the Forza, we have stuff like that. But if they start showing love to Games Pass, that could be something, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think here, man. Like, I honestly, like, there is nothing that I can, I think, I'm pretty sure Crackdown's dead. I, I honestly can't think of anything. If they want to go into racing, they might want to try the Project Gotham racing series again because that, to me, was a early success story in the mid-2000s for the original Xbox and the Xbox 360. Yeah, a Project Gotham would be good. We haven't seen a test drive game in a long time or really a Need for Speed. Like I can't remember the last time one of those came out. But, you know, and even Armored Core would be something that could have some popularity coming back. Xbox is also lacking in RPGs you know, outside of Fable and the stuff that goes across consoles, Xbox doesn't really have any exclusive RPGs. So that would be something that they might want to invest in. Other than that, man, I can't think of anything that's defunct that I would want really to come back. I mean, is there something on your on your mind that you would like to see brought back? Cuphead 2. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'm sure they're working on it because they just put out the DLC and then Cuphead just came to Switch. So there's still a lot of momentum for that, and I'm sure that we'll see it. Cuphead 2, I'd, maybe I'd, I'd, I really want to see what uh, Ninja Theory is working on because Hellblade Sinwa Sacrifice, fantastic game. Even if it was a sequel or something like in that vein, I would love to see that. But I'm sure they have a lot of stuff currently up their sleeve. There's going to be some announcements in terms of the studios that they purchase. So we're going to see stuff from them. I guarantee you we're going to see stuff from them. But I would like to see it on this generation of consoles. And then maybe tease us with four or five games that are going to be released on next generation's consoles. Yeah, absolutely. There's going to be a lot of stuff that they are going to introduce for the next Xbox. The question still remains as we head into June and E3 2019 around the corner. How much is Xbox going to show off for this current generation? Because I believe there still could be a lot of life in the Xbox One but it all depends on if Xbox still go ahead and put out games that will meet the standards for gamers for the Xbox One. It's just a matter of when. Xbox at E3 2019, they need to make a stand. And I say this pretty much every year, being that they're the number three in this three-horse race, that I think they need to go ahead and do something out of the box in order to go ahead and provide consumers with what they're looking for to make it stand out. 
we've seen that PlayStation 4 has sold almost 100 million units. We've also seen where Nintendo Switch has been the number one selling console over the past 12 to 18 months. We've seen those success stories there, but Xbox One has never really captured the marketplace like the other two consoles of this current generation. So I still think there is time for Xbox One to get the love that I feel it deserves because it is a great unit. To me, of the three consoles, it is the best console of them all on a standard console platform. So you know what? It's up to Microsoft to provide the original IPs that will get people interested in. I know we say this every single year, but still it just remains the same every single year. They need to introduce more original IPs that people are willing to get behind, that people will be interested in, and that gamers will follow for years to come as new iterations of those series come out. That's something Xbox has, up until this point, not been able to do on a large and successful basis as of yet. Will that change? We'll have to wait and see. But the future for them and the future for the Xbox One and whatever the next Xbox generates into coming up at E3 2019 here in mid-June, just around the corner. So I'm interested to see what's going on with Xbox. I know you are as well, Josh. Halo Infinite, I know we're going to see a lot of that. A new Gears maybe on the way, that could be a possibility, although I think they will probably hold that off for the next generation of consoles. I think the key, again, is more original IPs that they need to bring to gamers sooner rather than later. What are your thoughts out there on Xbox at E3 2019? What do you think they're going to do? What do you think they're going to announce? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, coming up next, Josh and I are going to be talking about The Terminator. And just throwing out our thoughts out there if this franchise still has anything left after the initial trailer release of Terminator Dark Fate. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need a listing of where we're at because we're being played on radio stations all around the world, Check out our listings today on Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. Plus, you can also check out a listing of our over 30 different podcast options. You'll see many of those options as well. My friend, you've got a great thing going on with Humanity Media. So share the goods, my friend. What is going on with your great experience known as Humanity Media? Just a new topic eclipse went up. We're sitting sitting there at Retro City Games talking about games and other things. So you can check that out now. And um, I'm, there'll probably be a new one up tomorrow. But just keep following the Facebook pages and you'll find out. want to go ahead and thank again Daphne Matthew from the Walking Dead fan base and Talking the Dead 18 Plus for stopping by with the latest intel from the world of the Walking Dead. Well, my friend, before we head on out, 
we got to ask you, did you check out the trailer that dropped last week for Terminator Dark Fate? Yeah, I did. And I got to say, I'm not really in the slightest bit interested. The whole trailer was one long fight scene, and it didn't really go into any detail enough to really make you curious about it. It looked like it was, it was basically just a repeat of that driving scene in Terminator 2, you know, when they're they're fighting on the on the trucks and stuff. So it kind of feels like they're trying to go back and recreate something that shouldn't be recreated because it's perfect the first time it was made. So I don't know, man. Like, I just I don't really want to see it. Don't really care if there's more trailers that come out and there's enough stuff in them to entice me, maybe. But where do you stand on it? Well, this is supposed to be in line after what happens in T2. So you have to go ahead and retcon or erase. And I'm erasing now all those Terminator movies, most of them which are horrible, that has taken place over the past, what, 20, 25 years or so since T2? So we're supposed to erase all those movies, to put those out of our mind. They never happened. And this is supposed to actually be, for all intended purposes, you can't say T3 because they've already used that. Terminator Dark Fate is supposed to be the movie in line after what happens in T2. Well, do you notice James Cameron always does this? Like he wanted, originally when he was reapproached to do Alien, he, was, he wanted to do Alien 3. Like he wanted to retcon Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection. Granted, those movies should have been retcon, but he only wants to follow up his own projects. And like I... I I guess I get that, but at the same time, like there's so much lore that has already been introduced over the years that it just it doesn't make any sense to follow an old storyline as opposed to just try to fix what's already been in place because audiences have a hard time following things like that. And when you go back, it's just it's it's more confusing than it needs to be. Well, I think therein lies the problem and therein lies the conundrum that you have with all those horrible Terminator movies that have come out. T3 Terminator Salvation, Terminator Genesis. Am I missing one? The one with Amelia Clark. Was that Terminator Genesis? Yeah. Yeah, and Terminator Salvation. Yeah, no, I think that's it. Don't forget the Sarah Connor Chronicles and all that. All this stuff has taken place during the course of time between T2 and this movie, Terminator Dark Fate, that it's hard to race, like you said, and gets easily confused within whatever timeline they want to go ahead and say it. But all those bad movies have taken place during the course of time between T2 and Terminator Dark Fate that I, for one, cannot forget it. I can't just simply erase it out of my mind. I have zero faith in the Terminator franchise. So I'm with you, my friend. The, the latest Terminator Dark Fate teaser really did nothing for me. It gave me zero interest into it, and I, I wanted to actually like it. But unfortunately, even with the return of Linda Hamilton... And also another return for Arnold Schwarzenegger, who just looked like the robot that just said, get off my lawn, pretty much from what the look he was giving in that teaser. It seems like Terminator is a franchise that's dead. No one has just bothered to tell James Cameron that as of this point in time. So I think they're kind of just beating the dead horse. But that's what happens after you make so many bad movies tied to that Terminator name. What would you think of the idea of them just rebooting the series altogether? Again, you're still having that issue. You would need to go ahead and put this on ice for about 10, 15 years before you go ahead and get a fresh perspective of the Terminator franchise because right now it has such a bad name after, like I said before, so many bad movies from the time of T2. T2 is awesome. Terminator was really good. 
they're both very well thought of in movie lore. But after that, all the stuff that's been done since then in this Terminator universe has not found an audience. Maybe you could say Terminator Salvation at the minimum, but that basically was a, a generic break, even at best type of deal with Sam Worthington and Christian Bale. Even that is not very greatly thought of. I don't personally didn't think it was that all that great when I saw it. And I know a lot of other people said as well. So the other Terminator movies are even worse than that. So at this point in time, you would need to take a long break. And we've talked about this before when it comes to Aliens, when it comes to the Predator series. All these movies need to just take a break, 10 to 15 years. Then you could go ahead and retcon it. Then you can go ahead and refresh it. And it will seem like it is fresh to a new audience. Yeah, I mean, we're still trying to ride the nostalgia train, I guess. But there's no original ideas anymore. Does Predator need to end? Probably. Does Alien need to end? Probably. Does Terminator need to end? Yeah. But again, give us an end. I know we've discussed this before, but for these old franchises, give us an ending. Give us an ending that we can walk out and be like, okay, well, that was an ending at least. It doesn't necessarily have to be good, but just something that ends, you know, and that way, if people want to reapproach these things 10 years from now and maybe reboot them, put something, a, a new take on it from a different storyteller, that's fine. But end them. Just just bring them to an end. Don't leave any anything open for more sequels. Just end it and let somebody else handle it. Did you see what I was doing there? I was giving like the thumbs up. From no, I got to go back and watch that. It's been so okay. long. Arnold Schwarzenegger's in the in the vat there. You know, he's being melting, melting. But his last thing was, yeah, I guess not. All right. Anyways, wait a second. Didn't his, his robot die in T2? I think he did. But then he was somehow back in T3. I don't... But then again, if you're taking away T3, Genesis, and Salvation, and that's being retconned, and this is next in the line... There shouldn't be an Arnold Schwarzenegger in this film. Yeah, but they're not going to not have him in there because he's one of the producers on the film. So, of course, he's going to be in there in some capacity. If I watch it, I'm going to have to say to myself, okay, how are they going to get out of that little writing conundrum that you always talk about as a writer, Josh, and that you know, you've already put yourself in the pickle? How are you going to get yourself out of that when it comes to what happened in T2 when you're claiming out there this is the successor to T2 and you're writing off all of what happened in those other three movies that came out since then. So right now it's Terminator Dark Fate. If you want to take a look at it, the trailer did drop last week. And whether you like it or not, another Terminator will be back. What are your thoughts out there on Terminator Dark Fate? Did you like it? Are you interested in going back again to the theaters to check out another Terminator? And are you cool with the retconning of the last three films in the Terminator series to have it be the successor to T2, the great movie from the 1990s? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanica media, and game source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, my friend, it's been another great episode. On Friday, we're going to have a great bit of your interview with M Cable, plus also as well another preview for E3 2019. And we're also going to be talking about the movies coming up in June. Any last thoughts on the way out? No, man. I, th I think we've covered it. I would love to uh, dive into that Nintendo E3 predictions whenever we get to that one. But yeah, I'm excited, man. 
As am I, my friend. I'm looking forward to it. I'm hoping we can get into our thoughts when it comes to Nintendo. And also as well, don't forget PlayStation because they're going to be a major force at E3 2019. Even though they're not going to be there, still a lot of people are going to be talking about what's coming up for Sony and PlayStation along with Nintendo at E3 2019. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day.